we get some interesting lessons on a Sunday morning. I, I don't know that this, this gospel lesson ever appears in the traditional lectionary. And we are following the Reverend Dr. Wilda Gaffney's lectionary called Year W, which is a, she focuses on the stories, the voices of women. And it is interesting to me that in this, in this bit that we heard from Matthew, there's a woman at the heart of it, and yet she has no voice in the text. <clears throat> but her, her, who does she belong to, um, is the question. So back up. Matthew, in this section, um, right now the Sadducees have asked Jesus this question. They're trying to trick him up. They're trying to catch him, as a lot of the religious authorities seemed to try to do with Jesus. And just like always, he nicely, like, catches it. And is like, well, let me show you this other thing. You're wrong. And there were a bunch of questions that the, Sad the Pharisees had been asking Jesus here, the Sadducees, a different sort of religious group are asking him a question. And, and one of the differences about the Sadducees is they did not believe in resurrection. It's interesting that to me that we are reading this or hearing this text just a few weeks after the Sunday where we celebrate resurrection. So a long time ago, back in the days of Moses, Moses hears God's command for the people, and one of the, one of the rules, one of the best ways of living that God lays out with Moses for God's people, for the people of Israel, is this thing about what to do when a woman has died. Um, women were not their own people, so they were dependent on—I say women were not their own people. They were, but they weren't. They were dependent on a man in their life for their care, for their sustenance, to, 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 uh, for the resources that they needed to live. So a woman would be born and would be under her father's care, and then she would be given away in marriage to a husband, and then eventually, if the husband were to die, the next male, the next man who would take care of her was her son. So the Sadducees are like, okay, so Moses said this, and Jesus, we know you're talking about resurrection, but we don't believe in resurrection. So we're going we're gonna to trip you up here. What if she marries seven brothers in a family? Using to think about what this woman's life was like to be married to seven different brothers in the same family. But the text also, it says, um, for which of the seven will she be wife? She's, she's objectified in this. Jesus' response is like, you, you, don't, you don't get it. That's not it. Heaven, like, like the realm of God, the way things work in God's reign is just so different. We don't, we're not like owned or we don't belong to each other. We're not caught in the, the structures of ownership or limitation in the same way that we may be here in this life today. Paul, in one of his letters later on, talks about, he says, there, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female. All of these identifying factors that are important aspects of who we are do not define us in our relationship with God. 
Jesus goes on, and he's like, so, you know, you throw me this ball, I'm going to catch it, and be like, actually, that's wrong. And he says, I'm going to take it a step further with you. Because then Jesus quotes this bit from Exodus. He's referring back to the story of Moses and the burning bush. And Moses encounters God in the burning bush and, and asks, what, what should I call you? What's your name? And God's answer is something to the effect of, I am, which is a very present expression. I am, and I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are patriarchs that had lived long before Moses. God doesn't say, I was their God, because they are no longer. God says, I am their God. This morning, this text is coupled with this really brief reading that we hear from Acts. The Acts of the Apostles, it is the the story that takes place right after Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus is a vibrant character in the beginning of Acts. Acts, the early chapters of Acts, describe the Pentecost experience of the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts, we have one of Jesus' disciples who does what the disciples often did. It's like, Jesus, is it, is it now that your reign is going to come? You know, now, like, like we learned from you, we were with you for three years, we, we heard what you had to teach, we We watched you heal, we watched you perform all these miracles, and then, like, all was lost because you died on the cross. But a few days later, something unexplainable happened, and now you are with us alive. So is is now the time that you're going to, like, step into your power on the throne and rule the earth the way we thought you were all along? So, like, they're still expecting that they know what it's going to look like, God's reign, the way God's power works. Jesus is like, no, it's not for you to know or worry about that. What he does invite them into is to be witnesses. Your work, he tells his disciples, who become apostles, who share this message, your work is going to be to witness Jesus in Jerusalem, where they were at the time, in all Judea and Samaria, the next regions, to the ends of the earth. Which is probably partially why we're sitting here today, still interested in learning about this person, Jesus, and still trying to sort out God's desires for us as people and for us as the body of Christ. Witnessing invites us to be storytellers and invites us to offer space for the divine presence. Willie James Jennings, who is a scholar that has written a commentary on Acts, he describes the book of Acts as this special kind of history— he says that the, the reader, he, or the reader, the writer wants his readers to see the past unfolding in a future and making intelligible a present. It's a bit of a 
mind bender for me, but I picture like this story from the past being pulled through into the future to help us understand a little bit what is going on today. History is, is a creature, he says. It's, it's created, and it comes to life through storytelling. The scriptures that we have were written a long time ago, but yet they were written to be living. They were written to speak to us today in the same ways and in different ways than they spoke to us yesterday or than they might speak to those who come tomorrow. Jesus commissions his disciples to be storytellers and to make space for God's presence. In Wilda Gaffney's commentary on the texts for this Sunday, she offers this question. Is the church today a continually unfolding new thing with astonishing liberty? Or is it a continuation of the biases and hierarchies of our ancestors? Are we, the body of Christ, about a new thing with astonishing liberty? Or are we continuing the patterns, the structures of those who've come before? What a question for us. A question for us, too, on this weekend where we celebrate the, the beauty and the holiness of our creation. And we lament of the ways in which we are not living into our appropriate stewardship of the beauty with which we have been entrusted. What are other ways? that we might as individuals, but also as a collective body, be about astonishing freedom, astonishing liberty, be about new things. I think there's value in the stories of our past and value in our traditions and value in the way we do things and those things that we inherit, and yet... We are invited to continually be about something new. So how is resurrection unfolding today? How are our lives, how is our life about contributing to that freedom that Wilda Gaffney invites us to consider? <laughs>